We do it together. We break the wheel together. You are my queen. Now and always. Ned Stark's son turns into the Queen Slayer. This is spoilers. Hey now. Hey now. We got a small crew tonight, but it's not just a two-man weave like last week with me and Stevie. This week we have Pappy coming at us from Denver. How you doing, Pappy? Doing pretty great. And dude, huge shout out to you for basically putting all of season eight on your back and editing every single one of these podcasts every week. That had to be a lot of work. Are you but. saying that because my voice seemed stilted or something at the beginning? No, no, not at all. I appreciate and you it. All the effort. Too. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Thank you. That other voice we hear chiming in there is Pixie Bomber. Are you out of Seattle again tonight? I am just a little north of Seattle. It was so sunny. I was in short sleeves, and that's really weird for our area. Sunny Seattle—that's what they call it. But we are all. This is kind of new. Like, we are recording this episode, for me, within minutes of having seen the finale. Uh, it's 11.20 Eastern right now. Did you guys just get off this? You have, have you had time to decompress at all? I finished about 50 minutes ago, but for the first time in my life, I read the leaks before the episode started, and they were beat for beat accurate, which... I'm kind of glad that I was a little bit braced for it. We're, we're at the end at this point. I was like, I don't even care anymore. I just want to see what's out there. Pixie, did you come into this with any spoilers? I, how no. did this leak? What? Did they announce how it got leaked? I was unaware of it leaking. Uh, I heard on another podcast that, that, it, that there, there had been leaks reported for a couple of weeks now, but this one source had been accurate the, like the previous two or three episodes or so. So... I was pretty confident what I was reading was going to be what happened. And, and like I said, I just, I don't know. I'm done with it. <laughs> so, so it didn't really bother me at all. Um, but but uh, it was beat for beat accurate. Everything that was predicted in that uh, website came true. I mean, it's tough because this season has kind of had two finales with the Night King dying, with Cersei dying. I... I I didn't really even know what to anticipate going into this movie. Like, did you guys really care who ended up on the throne? Or, yeah, this episode. From before the beginning of the season, I had predicted Bran would take the throne. And what that looked like, how that looked, I didn't know. But Do we have any proof of that? Yes, I sent it to you guys' Instagram. <laughs> I don't remember seeing anything on Instagram. I don't know. I sent it to you guys privately on Instagram. I was in a pool, and we had to predict who was going to die and who was going to be on the throne. And I put Bran down. And this was like the week before episode one. And so as they were talking, I was getting so excited at my home. I Here's the thing, though. I mean... Bran's not really on the throne when the throne's liquid molten lava. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. the throne in concept <laughs> rather than, ugh. It was a beautiful melting. 
Did Dragon know what he was doing? Was he intentionally like, fuck this throne and all the pain it's caused by I will mom. finish breaking the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> or was he just like randomly shooting fire and the Iron Throne just happened to be in that path of his frustration? Well, let's build to that point, shall we, Pap? Uh, Pixie Bomber, why don't you start us off here? What does happen right off the bat? What is our first scene? Right off the bat, we have Tyrion walking through the City of Ashes, and it's close up on him and so you just see him looking solemn and looking over the fallen city and then there's a couple shots of we notice that John is with him because you can see through the burned buildings and the crashed buildings I mean it was gorgeous and then finally they get to a point and Tyrion says I'm going in alone like they reached the point of him going into the keep where he knew that his brother and sister were I love how you say that it's gorgeous when they make a point to make it as morbid and gross as possible. There's like skeletons around. At one point, there's like a guy that walks by them with just like skin sloughing off him. (laughs) I can't believe how much ash there is, too. It's like uh, Ali Sheedy in the Breakfast Club levels of dandruff falling from the sky. It was the whole episode. I keep telling myself it's not snow. It's not snow. So Tyrion finally gets the gold he's been looking for his whole life. Not really. He finds his brother's gold hand poking up against the rubble. and It was a sad scene, but it was a really cool shot, I thought, with, I don't know, Jamie and Cersei looking womb-ish. Yeah, they died in each other's arms, just like was always predicted. So, yeah, I didn't have a real problem with that. And, you know... Uh, Peter Dinklage is a pretty great actor, so through through all of this, I, I, I think that like the emotion, especially, is conveying as he finds his brother was was really really uh, great to watch. What I found very unique about this episode is they were intentional in not having any score behind that first sequence. You could hear the footsteps, you could hear them, the bricks crumbling. But there wasn't any music until he reached the map room when he was ready to go down the stairs with the torch. Like it was silent up until that point, And then there's this violin that slowly came through. And I thought it was really well done. It was almost, Tyrion almost walked as fast across that map as characters moved throughout these past <laughs> two seasons across the real world map. Happy coming in with the jokes. But Sing. while Tyrion is walking down uh john is kind of walking up and he passes gray worm pap you want to fill us in on this little convo uh is this where gray worms executing the the soldiers yeah he's going ham yes he sentenced them yeah so gray worm and a bunch of unsullied have uh lannister soldiers on their knees and uh he's getting ready to execute them and i think it's john and davos come up and like you can't like you can't do this like the, how much more do you want them to surrender and Grey Worm says that he takes his orders from the queen and that's who John goes to see but as as John as John's walking away you see uh Grey Worm just like slitting the throats of these like Lannister soldiers on the ground it's pretty it's pretty brutal Grey Worm has definitely kind of lost his shit yeah do you guys like the end of Grey Worm's arc i think he just lands on he's pissed and he's kind of a bad guy at the end well he specifically states that his command is to kill all those who follow Cersei Lannister and he's has true devotion to Danny 
And then they have the shared grief on top of it. So I think it pushes him over the edge beyond how much he's been trained all those years. I guess that would be my complaint, though, because it feels like both him and Danny were pushed over the edge by like being spurned by one or, or either losing their lover or being spurned by their lover. It just feels like you should have a little bit more fortitude than like, you know, losing a significant other than going to like genocide of prisoners of war. That seems a little a little extreme. I think part of that is because they've been doing some really rushed storylines and so we couldn't get the longer which I was hoping for, the longer build to the Queen of the Ashes yeah. or the uh the Mad Queen. Yeah, and so John continues on and he does finally reach Danny. It actually starts with um Arya in the background. And she sees John and she sees all the men lined up and they're lined up in front of this just broken building. And then going up the stairs, again, there's side by side, they're all lined up. And then the greatest moment happens. The dragon just glides overhead. And Danny walks out with the dragon behind her. I want to get this as a screenshot for on my phone. Oh, and it looks like his wings are her wings, kind of, for a minute. His wings were an extension of her, just like how the dragons have been an extension of her throughout the whole series. And she... I think John realizes, like, oh, this isn't a good time to talk. Because Danny pretty much steps to the edge of the steps and starts giving kind of a uh, general... Yeah, it's like a General Hux sort of speech. All remaining systems will bow to the first order and will remember this as the last day of the Republic! I was thinking First Order Adolf Hitler vibes for sure from I mean, from the speech. She was speaking to all the troops, talking about how they gave her the Seven Kingdoms and they kept their promises to her. And, well, she addresses Grey Worm and gives him a title. Free the world. And then, Master of War. Master of War. And then she goes on to continue to tell him about how they're not going to lay down their spears until the world is free and how... Um, something about the wheel. I never quite caught on to the whole wheel. Break the wheel. Break the gotta wheel. break it. Come on. And then you just still see Arya just <laughs> watching from the side. So that, I think, is the big point, right, Pap? That she basically says, like, this is a never-ending war, so get ready. I, I don't... So what's her plan? Is her plan to go, what's west of Westeros? She calls out, like, specific kingdoms in the Seventh Kingdoms, like Lannisport or, like, or I guess, cities, like Winterfell, that she wants to liberate them in a similar way, which I can only assume means burning all the people alive. Like, I, d- I just feel like for her character, all logic has gone out the window. Like, I don't. What What is her plan? She has the Iron Throne. Like, what What is she trying to do, Josh? I don't get it. Well, luckily, Tyrion comes up and he says, "I may have freed my brother and committed treason, but you slaughtered a city." So you're a way worse person. And he throws his pin. Um, it kind of like boomerangs back to him a little later in the episode, but he throws his hand of the king pin down the steps and the unsullied like stop doing their little taps. And mm-hmm. Danny says, take him away. But I think this is probably the first time Tyrion has actually accomplished something 
is when Jon Snow comes and talks to him. Did you did you guys think this is a good scene between those two? Like he accomplishes, I guess, convincing Jon Snow that he's got to kill uh, his queen. I thought it was really good. I mean, if for this episode, those have been, or for the series, those have been like the two main protagonists in the books. Like it's it's really Jon and Tyrion, kind of like I think they probably have the most solo chapters. So to have them kind of having one final conversation to give Tyrion something to do, I think was good. Um, I, I did. I enjoyed the scene. Pixie, did you, did you like it? I did. Um, I watched it and it just was Tyrion trying to have a conversation and he let off with Varys was right. Like he talked about his friend Varys, who we just saw um, die in the last episode. So we, he calls him his best friend in the whole world. Yeah. Like hmm. they were close. And if you find, and that was actually when he touched him in the last episode. Like, nobody ever touches Varys because of him being a eunuch. But Tyrion made a point to touch him before he died. And so this just echoes back that depth of relationship they had. And Tyrion asking him the hard questions. And I love just the give and take because he's known him and seen him grow. And so I thought it was... Um, a good conversation for exposition and show character growth. I honestly just like the fact that Tyrion convinces someone to do something that matters and it goes down. It's just been a while. I thought the writing was pretty okay in that scene too. So well, the writing hasn't been fantastic for the last three episodes. So, I mean, mm-hmm. the barometer isn't that high right now. And I guess like the what so what is the point that like tips John over the edge is when Tyrion like brings up his sisters right like yeah I saw that even too. even as like the conversation is closing John I, I did kind of like that too like like uh, he he's kind of channeling Ned in his blind devotion not wanting to play the game but it's like when Tyrion you know says hey this she's not only going to be a threat to you. But what about your sisters? Sansa would never bend the knee. That's kind of like the point that really sets John over the edge to to kill Danny. John has this um, mindset that he doesn't get to choose and nobody else gets to choose. But Tyrion pushed back on him saying, Stanza doesn't want her as queen and you have to choose. Let's uh, finish out Sansa's storyline here because her standoffedness and never wanting to yield kind of works out in the end here because the fact that John knows she wouldn't back down puts him in this place to make a very hard decision. And what do you guys think about her ending up this free North queen? Well, I mean, it's, it's like all of the Stark characters kind of get what they want in the end. And I think that like Sansa is kind of a good guy, but at the same time, like she's very much kind of responsible for, for what went down at King's Landing. Like had she not leaked that information to Tyrion, probably two steps down the road, uh, Danny isn't burning all those people alive. So she's almost kind of like a, a neutral character who ended up doing like the best in all of this. I was thinking that the North would end up independent with the way they tried to be independent in the first season. And they're trying to echo back to that and get that back to that point. And so I wondered if the writers would let us see that. So I did like how it ended up. Well, and speaking of Sansa and John, like I'm confused. So like, why is the wall? So like the wall is now the responsibility of the six kingdoms, but it's still in the North. <laughs> like that was kind of confusing. <laughs> I'm not really sure. I th- 
thought it was going to be really funny when everyone's voting for Bran to be king. And Sansa's like, she's like, I think we're not going to vote for Bran. I love you, but we're just going to be free in the north. I thought it would have been so great if, like, the Martells was like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Dorne's going to be free, too. And and the Iron Island shall yeah. be free. I thought so it was forth. so weird there was somebody from Dorne actually there. Like, we haven't seen Dorne in forever. Yeah, and also uh, Yara is her yeah. name. She was fo- mm-hmm. in episode one, and now surprise, there she is. She was kind of being a jerk. Who was she a jerk to? She, like, yelled at somebody. Uh, Tyrion. When Tyrion was doing yeah, the conversation, she, a, she was still loyal to Danny even after the mass genocide she <laughs> committed in that very town that they sit in. And she made a point about, like, you know, her being her queen and following her. Before we get too much into that little yeah. council yeah. meeting, we have to go back because John pretty much goes straight from talking to Tyrion. And I think it's like 30, 35 minutes into this little over an hour ep. He starts schmoozing, giving Danny that pillow talk, and whoosh, sticks her. Always be my queen. Yeah, I wish he would have now had like forever. needle or something. I don't know what that sword is. He killed her with. What did you guys think of the last scene and Danny's fi- and Amelia Clark's final moments of Daenerys Targaryen? He he finally came out of denial and he saw who she has become, not the woman he fell in love with, but who she is now. And that conversation about mercy was a moment I knew he was done. He couldn't handle the direction she was going. And I was kind of rooting for John to stab her all along so that his sword could be Lightbringer. I kind of like that he killed Danny. What I thought was fucking stupid was the whole dragon stuff, which we already talked about. Like the fact that he is now smart enough to like. I, again, why is he melting the Iron Throne? Is it just blind rage pointed in the His right direction, grief. or does he he oh. literally understands that the Iron Throne cost her? It's symbolic. Her life. <laughs> I think it was intentional where he was shooting axe at first. I thought he was gonna like fire at John, but then it went one direction and the camera specifically showed his face in line with that throne. So he was intentionally like going for it. Yeah, so I, th- these dragons are way smarter than I ever realized. John kills Danny. Stabs her loving little stomach. Yeah, as he's kind of being sad and bittersweet about it as she passes away, you hear Drogon coming, and he lands there, and you think he's going to melt John's face off, but then he just melts the throne, and he knows it's a symbol, and he needs to destroy it. I mean, it so. was precious how Drogon n- tried to nudge her awake and tried like you know figure things out like you saw him processing that and that was where the cgi was really good with that moment i'm glad you thought it was precious because i thought it was an absolute waste of of cgi (laughs) budget for the i just thought it was so stupid like it it was too cute from the dragon at that point like it would have been cool if he would have blasted Jon snow with fire and he would have lived because he's a targaryen like the night king did in the in that third episode but like I don't know. This whole part just lost me. I, I was not a fan. This is why you need a woman on the episode sometimes to balance you out. 
the dragon got really humanized there towards the end. Like it was basically doing Simba to Mufasa. Like, wake up, Paul. Wake up, Mother of Dragons. But like, I wasn't getting that. It's like the same move. Like one paw, just moving her to the side, seeing if she'll wake up. I would have liked to see the dragon just like flip out I, like i'm not saying john snow had to die but maybe but, the throne gets accidentally blown up by the dragon not this like focused rage moreover i think i'd rather see danny in some kind of like spiritual realm with like uh carl drogo or something like like show her like dying process I, that would be more interesting to me than seeing like her body being carried away in a weird fist from the dragon i don't know uh, and his claw like a fish yeah sorry, you see her on Dixie? the you see her on like the ghost grass and the endless dothraki sea or something like that that would be nice i would have liked that she'll be queen of the dead oh she will be because she must be queen all this leads to and this is behind the scenes but i guess john gets arrested and thrown in jail treason because he killed her that was that really weird that they did that off screen nah. at one at one point he's what value would have added if they showed it versus us just going there and knowing that's what happened I would say there's no conversation about the fact that he is the rightful heir at any point um, nope. I would have liked to have seen that I think I would have liked to have seen yeah that power struggle of you're arresting him on whose behalf and would the John- rightful heir for the throne killed someone who just committed genocide like there's some kind of debate I would think that would happen. <laughs> I guess I don't know. Maybe not. Even with Slater just running shit, but yeah. Grey Room's running a pretty tight ship at this point, but they haven't mentioned his heritage publicly at all, and Sam, who knew it, didn't say anything about his heritage either when it came to nomination time. But Sam knows, Bran knows, Sansa, Sansa knows, knows, Arya knows, but nobody said anything. Tyrion knows. Yeah, I don't don't know (laughs) why they didn't. Yeah, It's kind of a big deal to talk about it. I mean, that's a big conversation in his heritage. I think they all knew heritage no longer matters because they wanted the right person. Well, but then again, like, what is the right person? Because a couple of episodes ago, Varys was saying that it mattered that Jon Snow was a man, that that would help sway the 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 major lords but all of those quote-unquote major lords are in that council in the dragon pit and they're voting for a cripple to be king like those two things don't really like jibe with me they seem pretty willing to to let this little cripple boy quote-unquote become king does his physicality matter in him being able to be the king i not to teddy roosevelt but i would think as a as a symbol to the realm probably uh, it helped Robert Baratheon. Who needs conformity? Let's be weird. Plus, you can't kill his story, Pap. I thought this was like kind of what D and D were trying to make the final deep point. Tyrion's whole pitch to make Bran king is that he has the best story. He's Bran the Broken. He was thrown out a window, survived. He goes north. He goes south. He's a three-eyed raven. Even though no one knows what that means. And are we are we into that part now? Because yeah, I just want to mention, like, have you guys seen the movie Clue? Yes, I watched uh, it yeah. recently. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, so like in the movie Clue, there's like multiple endings. You know what I mean? And they all kind of diverge from one point. 
when Tyrion's giving that speech, when he says, and who had the best story, literally they could have named any person almost on that council and it would have been fairly believable. Like, within reason. Like, he could have said, like, well, how does Arya not have the best story? Or Davos to- with yeah, everything like, he's been yeah, through. Davos. Or Sansa. Like, you could literally, like, mm-hmm. you could just literally, like, ad-lib that speech from Tyrion in the second part. <laughs> like, Arya came to Braavos and killed the, the Night King and is death she has the best story it's but then sounds as like uh but brand's dick is broken so <laughs> dude it's like why did you have to out him like that that yeah. was messed up it's not necessary the boy who fell from a high tower and lived he knew he'd never walk again so he learned to fly he crossed beyond the wall a crippled boy and became the three-eyed raven he is our memory the keeper of all our stories. The wars, weddings, births, massacres, famines, our triumphs, our defeats, our past. Who better to lead us into the future? Bran has no interest in ruling, and he can't father children. What was funnier was when Sam was trying to, like, convinced like why is it just us let's represent the houses and everyone was just tearing into sam about it talking about giving like horses votes and dogs votes now he's proposing an open democracy is what he's doing right (laughs) correct and he was shot down hard that felt a little fan servicey to me because that's something i've seen like floated out there quite a bit that that would be the end game and like the fact that they even show like sansa smiling at how stupid that is it's like I don't know. That felt like them reading Reddit and be like, guys, that's a stupid ending. One thing I thought this episode did well, though, speaking of Sansa smiling there, is bringing Game of Thrones back to that whole flat circle concept. It ends with lords and ladies like just bickering about their like little petty differences. I mean, the last shot we get of Tyrion is him being annoyed comically like they might as well played the curb your enthusiasm music but they're like panning out <laughs> and like his small council is like talking about rebuilding brothels or not the master of coin is willing to fund reconstruction uh, the archmaster is less than enthusiastic about the salutary effects of brothels well i imagine he isn't using them properly i think we can all agree that ships take precedence over brothels i think that's a very presumptuous statement I once brought a jackass and a honeycomb into a brothel. And ships are more important, but brothels <laughs> have their value. <laughs> and and Bronn has turned into this like really wizened like master of coin who's like all about being conservative with the money. It's like what is <laughs> He yeah. got Highgarden after all yeah, of that. Yeah, he did. It- <laughs> Those crazy bastards did it. Did the comedy? Did the comedy? He got. I was so excited. He got high guard. Did the comedy work for you? For you here, Josh? Did you? Did you find it humorous? Did you laugh at all? I was not laughing. Maybe in the second watch, I would enjoy this. Being a series finale, I think there's a little tension where you just think anyone could possibly be knifed quickly, or quick violence that's going to be very jarring, but. I did not laugh, but like I said, I did appreciate them coming back to that in some way. Did you did you not see that, Pat? No, I definitely did. I, I, I thought that that 
those moments of symmetry when we're seeing them the first time um, with Tywin as ha- hand of the king. Like he, he conveys this like power and confidence, and, and I and I guess I thought that like if we're going for a thematic like symmetry, I, I don't know like Tyrion adjusting the chairs right before it didn't make me laugh, but I guess it's more true to his his character. It, it was kind of a nice kind of like a flat circle moment, but but I no I didn't. I didn't think it was necessarily funny when he was getting up and adjusting the chairs. I wish that time could have been spent someplace else. Brana and Davos's banter, I thought, was comical. Like, they were being honest. It wasn't all stuffy like in season one where everybody was scared to say something. Like, they were truly just being themselves mm-hmm. and having an open conversation. And Davos calls him uh, master of coin and lofty titles. Lord Davos, we have an armada to rebuild and ports to repair. We have. These projects will begin as soon as the Master of Coin and Lord of Lofty Titles provides funding. So I chuckled <laughs> at that because there's still that dynamic there. And it's true. Like, Braun went from nothing to Lord of Highgarden. I mean, of all things. And why make him in charge of money? Like, he, even though he worked his way to get the biggest castle. Highgarden might have the most money at this point maybe but it was just i found it hysterical before that i think was when was that when brianne was writing in the book yeah because i wondered if that book would come into play because earlier in the series they showed jamie's page and it used to be empty now we see that and there's some more stuff written in there about him that isn't all trash that was cool i mean it's always hard to visually show someone writing a book which is basically what it was as a couple minutes of her writing different angles camera angles at it but i like the sentiment it was like she knew jamie messed up at the end but she's still going to do this duty and what did it say basically pappy that she wrote uh, it was like it was like his greatest hits like if you youtube <laughs> jamie lannister greatest moments it, it was his what, greatest what, hits but the, f- yeah. the final one was he died protecting his queen yeah that like hit me a little why because it was he died protecting his incestual relationship with his twin because she chose to keep that stuff out like she was very like of all the things to write in that moment he was really d- died protecting the woman he loves most, coming from Bran, who gave herself to him a couple episodes ago. I mean, it shows a lot of class on Bran's part, but and again, I think that's also kind of like romanticizing what Jamie Lannister did in that moment, which was go to try and help the the tyrant of King's Landing, who who everyone agreed was a tyrant. As Jamie said, his heart was full of hate. I think we've hit on all the major points. The last kind of series that this whole thing has is an edit where it goes between John, Arya, and Sansa. Sansa's, it was really edited well to give the symmetry to the whole thing. Sansa's being queened, queen of the north. John is being reunited with Ghost and Tormund and the rest of the oh, deep, deep so north. I'm excited to see Ghost. And Arya is becoming the next year on Greyjoy on the high seas, basically. But she's going west where there is no map. This edit did work for me, too. I thought it was pretty strong. It reminded me kind of of the one that they did with Arya and the Hound last episode that I did not like. Uh, 
there wasn't like a mate like I wanted to just keep seeing the hound and the mountain fight and I was frustrated they kept cutting away but this one really seemed like yeah they're the three remaining Starks maybe they should have thrown Bran in there too but Pappy did it work for you I mean this is pretty much it for the series right well as the Hulk would say in Endgame it's an absolute win for the Starks they pretty much (laughs) all the ones who were left alive got literally everything they they always wanted so yeah I I think it did work work pretty well Um, I think it makes sense uh, where all the characters end up and like I think um, I could I could even see that kind of being a bullet point from from George that might be really how the books the books end I I would say that Bran probably bothers me the most of of how the Starks kind of kind of end up but but that final montage uh, with Arya on the boat like when Arya went to Bravos, that was one of my favorite moments of the whole series, and that it reminded me of that. So everything they've done with their character, I've, I've really liked. I love the sequence the most. It was in three threes, and so each one had a different aspect of where the trajectory was going. And then slowly through the sequence, the theme from the show was slowly building. You just got light mm-hmm. light musical notes of it and then there's a little more fullness to it as it carried with them so they all three were building at the same time with the music and then the last shots were like where they were walking through people it was just beautifully done with the way they had it mm-hmm. and pixie you always talk about the costumes too i feel like the costumes that those three end up to are, are really great like aria in like kind of like a, a sailor looking thing like Jon Snow in, in like a cloak that was reminiscent of like season 4 season 5 when he's first getting together with the, li- the wildlings and, and Sansa she was like more like a dark dress kind of right like she was it was a dark was regal ground yeah. it wasn't as armored as she has been in the past so it shows a little bit mm-hmm. about her not being as protected with everything more settled into who she is but it was oh yeah I was I mean I even dressed up tonight watching the show like the costumes are been just amazing throughout and there's this one scene where Sansa's putting her arm in the sleeve and you can see the detail of the sleeve which you can't always see it even though the people that make the costumes I know they've put so much work into it so for me it was like one of those happy moments to see it Podrick is also alive and I think he's part of the Kingsguard and he's kind of like Bran's personal protector and driver pusher of his chair yeah that was awesome which as a member of the Kingsguard he's probably not able to leverage some of his greatest talents anymore you mean having Uh, sex with women (laughs) well I was trying to be you know subtle but yeah I'm not banging some Yeah, I'll go first with yes or no's. I think this episode was one of the strongest of the season. I don't think they really, like, fumbled this ending that bad. I don't think this was, like, the worst episode. Um, This leak that Pappy showed me and I'm now reading after makes everyone seem kind of like huge jerks that are just, like, ripping on it before they even see the final visuals. Um I've said it before and I'll say it again, but since they lost source material between seasons five and six, this show has not been the same, but this episode's a yes and it's good to see where all the characters end up and 
it's a lot happier than I would have ever thought to even hope for. So that's cool. I was kind of holding my breath before this episode. So sigh of relief. Another sigh of relief for not having to edit more Game of Thrones episodes during the stretch. Uh, Pixie, you want to give us your yes or no? Going in for this episode, I had no expectations with how frustrated and disappointed I was for the last two episodes. And we had the same writing team. So knowing that I just didn't, I don't know, I was going in with a meh, but it ended up being a yes in some things, a soft yes in others. So I kind of fall somewhere in between with how we ended up. And I was right all along with Bran. There's no throne. He is the king, despite the fact he's not on the throne. <laughs> I still take my win. <laughs> Even though it's melted with my heart. It's because they didn't have the books and that guidance, the season did suffer. And we got what the writers wanted, not necessarily what was R.R. Martin was going for. And so that was kind of my hesitation. And this whole season felt rushed to get to this episode and rushed to get to episode three. But overall, I'm happy with the ending and I don't know what I'm going to do now. Start watching movies. Happy. Oh, you know I do. Oh, I'm so glad Game of Thrones is done. Um, yeah, Josh, big shout out to you for editing all these episodes during the stretch. They've... they've uh, Hopefully, yeah, if you like this, our Indiana Jones episode is up right now. <clears throat> Get into our movie game episodes. But no, this is a no for me. This, There was some, some nice spots, some good character moments, but there's so much stupid shit in this episode, you guys. Like, the fact that Bran gets it because, quote, he has the best story. And, it, and I don't know why Tyrion as a prisoner is in the position to be making these, like, demands and these laws that it's so ridiculous everyone has heard enough words from you you're right and no one's any better for it drogon again like coming in melting the iron throne like somehow gaining more sentience than he's had in the entire series was, was freaking dumb and rushed like all of this should have been this should have been two or three episodes at least in like old Game of Thrones and it just rushed through it so quickly. I, I don't have any complaints as far as where the characters end up, but like, uh, I mean, Danny goes full Hitler, full uh, General Hux here we, and it, it just didn't feel earned. We'll bring an end to the Senate. Her killing didn't really have any emotional residence, so I'm glad it's done. I, I kind of want to go back and watch them on season one to remember, like, you know, old Game of Thrones, but it's a soft no for me for the Game of Thrones finale. I, I love what you said about going to watch season one and kind of a parting question here, you guys. And we'll start with Pixie Bomber, Renee. As you look back and we say goodbye to Game of Thrones, what is, like, one memory that will just stick out to you from watching the show over the years? Red Wedding emotionally destroyed me but I have this weird love of violence so it <laughs> it's just a moment of and that's where the Hound and Arya um, began their journey and that's where a lot of other people's journeys end uh, but that one really struck me but going back to the first two episodes I watched of this I knew something was different in the writing and the set development and the costumes like I was floored and I was hooked from the beginning watching every week that I could and so it's hey. those two 
Pappy, you got any that stick out? Oh yeah, the, my number one moment I always remember. It's it's uh, it's actually kind of not maybe the most conventional one, but it's when Jamie got his hand cut off. I, all I remember was that, that was like at the very end of the episode, and like I think that was the first time too on one of the Game of, Game of Thrones episodes they had played this like contemporary like punk rock song like right when it happens too and it kind of like even bleeds in the episode proper and I just remember being like what the fuck like like moments like that where like within the last five minutes of the episode like the whole world is changed for the next episode like that that one will always stick out for me you're nothing without your daddy your daddy ain't here never forget that yeah, this should help you remember. I'll always remember when Ed Sheeran uh, showed up. Oh, no, no, <laughs> no joking, joking. Uh, I don't know this. I'll remember the rush of binging the first season because I didn't watch it then and then binging all of these amazing books and you know Pappy we say and I I think it's like in our official bio that we would review a book Um, maybe that's a way that the door isn't completely closed for spoilers could we review a Game of Thrones book in the future I'll say this if the Winds of Winter actually does come out it will be our first book review in spoilers history it's gotta happen and I we gotta think see it'd be fitting for that book Tyrion's in it not like he was in the Ice and Fire in the show apparently <laughs> I like how they brought that book name in there <laughs> what did they say Tyrion's not even in the book yeah they were so awkwardly trying to like not tell him the truth that's pretty absurd though that <laughs> He was accused of mur- of being part of the murder of Joffrey. How is he not in the book? <laughs> That's a pretty major thing. Maybe the author just forgot. He, they forgot that he killed Tywin. They forgot that he was on the Blackwater. Well, pissed off the wall. Who did he say he gave the name to? Somebody else was writing it. And he said he helped. Sam said he helped with the name. It blew past me. It felt like an Easter egg, though. You're right. They made a point to say it, but I didn't catch who who it was alright I think that's all we have for Game of Thrones ever TV show um, everyone thanks for watching follow us on everything spoiler man will tell you in a second how to follow us follow them pa- it's fun yeah we're pretty funny uh, Pappy will you throw it away to spoiler me take it away your grace spoiler man <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler Man here. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcastspoilers. It's lit. Please support this podcast by leaving us an iTunes review. This is still pretty late for me. I go to bed early. 
I wish I could. I'm a pappy, so it comes naturally. Oh, is that how it is? In bed early, up at 4.30. Oh my gosh. I also love Why? to eat, I love to eat dinner, like at four o'clock. <laughs> really Are you do. secretly 75 years old? Yes. Twice, uh, pappy. I'm so hungry by <laughs> four o'clock. I don't know how people can wait. 